Thank you for listening to The Real Deal with Damian Adams. This is Real Sports Talk for the Real Sports fan. And I definitely appreciate all you Real Sports fans who are listening right now. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do me a huge favor and leave this podcast a five-star rating. That one, two, three, four, feel that five-star rating review will definitely be appreciated. If you're listening on any other platform, that could be iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podomatic, wherever. Please share from that platform so that your friends and family can find the podcast, listen to the podcast, subscribe, and then share with their friends and family. I'm trying to get this podcast to the highest levels of podcastivity. I need your help to get there. I would truly, truly appreciate it. We've got a very special episode today. If you are a basketball fan, an NBA fan, this is your favorite time of the year. Regular season's over with. We're into the playoffs and play in. No more load management. If somebody's missing time right now, it's because they really hurt. <laughs> like this is no longer you got to guess if somebody's going to play or not. Everybody who can play is going to play unless they get suspended for punching their teammates on the bench, which you'll get into <laughs> with Rudy Gobert. But to have this episode and give you a really in-depth preview of the play in the playoffs, had to bring in a special guest. Couldn't do this by myself today. And my guest today is instant offense. He's somebody who when he comes into the game, you know he's going to get buckets. He's what you call a walking bucket, if you will. He is part of the best three, big three, we've seen since LeBron, D-Wade, and Chris Bosh. It's the Three the Hardaway podcast. That's 3D Hardaway, like the last name Hardaway podcast. One of my favorite podcasts out there. Anybody who is a basketball fan should definitely check it out. And he is the LeBron of the big three. My man Savage. What's going on, Savage? What's up, Damien? Uh, we we actually had that debate on our podcast a couple episodes ago. Who was D Wade and LeBron and Bosch? I mean, I'll take LeBron all day long. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Miami uh, LeBron was probably the best form of LeBron we've ever seen. You know, we've seen Cleveland yeah. both times, see the Lakers now, but Miami LeBron was different. So I'll, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> and I also appreciate uh, you inviting me out to the show, man. It's, it's go time now. Like you said, no low management. Uh, you're only missing the game is if somebody gets suspended, like, like you mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm ready to get into it, man. Let's do it. For sure. And whenever I have a guest on the show for the first time, I like to get to know that guest so that the audience can appreciate the guest the way I appreciate the guest. And the first question I always ask our guest is, when did you fall in love with sports? Oh, man. Um, I remember when I was, I want to say... Three or four. This was back when uh, Shaq was with the Magic. Uh, so they had Penny Hardaway um, there as well, too. And I actually had a a cardboard, life-size cardboard cutout of Shaquille O'Neal with the 32 uh, Magic white jersey with the big shoes on. And <laughs> I just remember watching basketball. That was my first time watching basketball was Shaq with the Magic along with Penny Hardaway, who was, uh, I mean, obviously the podcast namesake, Three Hardaway. <laughs> Uh, so especially with me being from Memphis, you know, Peanut Hardaway is near and dear to my heart. And then it kind of took, took to the to the next level uh, once Kobe got involved. And that's my favorite player of all time, obviously, Kobe Bryant. Uh, so watching him and his entire career and, of course, leading to his timely deal, untimely deal, I should say, uh, that's when I fell in love with sports, which is watching early Magic, um, Orlando Magic, and then seeing uh, Kobe's entire career. Uh, career you know go through this whole thing so uh, of course I, I like football and I like other sports as well too but basketball that's my bread and butter okay and when did you turn the love of basketball into I want to do this as something that I can be involved in as far as in media in the podcasting game 
Yeah, so I mean, I think we all grew up on like Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless with first take, even back before then when it was like cold pizza. Uh, just the debate of sports. I mean, we do that. We did it in the classrooms. We do it in the yeah. barbershops. Do it at the lunch tables. And so, I mean, the interest was, I think, was always there. Initially, when I got to college, I was a sports management major. I originally wanted to be a general manager uh, for an NBA team. And I spent about two years uh, working with the original, like, grit and grind, like the beginning of grit and grind. I was there to see that whole thing unfold with the Grizzlies. Um, during my time there, I learned that I didn't really want to work in sports. Uh, I enjoyed being a fan of sports. And so doing this platform allows me to continue to be a fan, still analyze it from like a, a, a perspective of like somebody that played basketball, but I get to enjoy the game and not have to see it as like work. That makes sense. So, uh, yeah, so I, I went to school originally for sports management change. Now I work in higher education. I work uh, at a college campus. Uh, so I still get to see college basketball, college football, all college sports, along with, of course, the Grizzlies uh, while they're here. Okay, and you mentioned in that time you wanted to enjoy it more as a fan. Is there anything specifically that you remember where you were like, eh, this is, I can see the appeal of it, but it isn't for me? Man, so I actually got to interview uh, the Grizzlies GM at the time, Chris Wallace, who, of course, no longer the GM now. I think it's with the Rockets, and they get their hands full down there right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I interviewed him. I was in my sophomore year. And when I got to the interview, you know, I'm nervous. This is like the guy. I want his job. So we get yeah. to the conference room and he comes in and he got two phones and not like Kevin Gates. <laughs> he, had, he, had, he had two phones at his desk and they were constantly going off the whole time. And yeah. at that point, I was like, man, do I want to sit all day and have two phones? Like I'm a drug dealer just going off <laughs> the entire time during the day. I don't get no downtime. And so from that point on, I was like, yeah, this ain't it for me. I mean, I love it. I love sports. I love basketball. But I. I can't see myself working in that capacity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that was my moment for me. Okay. Now I definitely can feel you on that. Cause you want to have that good, you know, life balance mm -hmm. of, you know, working regular life. And you saw right there, like maybe this ain't attainable to have that type of balance and that type of job. So I definitely can see it from that perspective. So you're going from there and now you have the three, the hard way podcast, which you do along with Sheedy, my man, Tev, that's out here in Phoenix. Now, how did this podcast come about? So um, I had actually, so I guess I go back to like LBR. So LBR originally started with me, um, my guy Sharky, of course, who's the captain, and then my other guy, Addison, who hasn't done as many podcasts recently. Uh, but we started in my apartment's living room. If you go on our YouTube, LBR, the first episode was in my apartment living room. Okay. That was like 20, I want to say 2015 or 16. Uh, years later, apartments later, houses later, like we've, you know, obviously have, have grown uh, but from that period, you know, I did LBR on and off, uh, ended up having a, a child in the pandemic, which kind of threw off my schedule. Um, and so it was kind of hard to, to meet up every Saturday morning uh, to do the LBR podcast. I'm doing something with my, my daughter or my wife needs a break, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so eventually I, I ended up doing my own podcast called uh, I Don't Know Sports Podcast. Uh, which allowed me to do it at my own time. I did it on Sunday nights, uh, like seven, eight o'clock when she was down to sleep. And I was able to have like, you know, a two, three hour window of where I can record the podcast. I can edit it and do all my fun stuff with that. Um, eventually, I found that I don't have time to watch all sports as closely as I want to. Uh, I mean, I don't have as much free time anymore than I did when I was in college, <laughs> obviously, mm -hmm. to watch, you know, basketball, football, baseball, boxing, all that. Um, but I knew that I know basketball at the back of my hand. I've watched basketball almost every day I feel like in some capacity as long as they have basketball on I'm probably going to watch it uh so it was, it was much easier for me to create content about basketball than it was for like football I didn't play football uh yeah. so for me the game of basketball was much easier to talk about and then um 
in passing, I had talked to Tevin. I've known Tevin for like I think 13 years now. Uh, I've known Shitty's for about I want to say 10. Uh, but I've talked to them individually about doing our own thing, you know, in collaboration underneath the umbrella of LBR, uh, but just having a different perspective or a different kind of show uh, with it focusing on basketball. And eventually we just kind of form, you know, the Megazord with all of us coming together and then making it happen. So it's, it's been very, very good. And the way that it's kind of been growing uh, at, a, at a fast momentum, I think it's, that's what it was supposed to be anyway. Uh, and so now we've done our whole season going into the playoffs and we just kind of trying to keep this thing rolling. Yeah, for sure, man. I definitely enjoy it. You could tell that you guys have a real friendship outside of just podcasting. That's where the chemistry comes from. So I'm, I'm definitely a big fan. I listen anytime I can. Usually every week I tune into Free the Hard Away for sure. And you mentioned that you played. So if you had to describe your game and try to maybe compare it to an NBA player past or present, who would you compare your game to? It's kind of funny, man. Like uh, when I was real young, I was always the tallest person on the team. So when I first played in my youth, I was like a center because I was just tall. Yeah. And then eventually people started catching up to me right around middle school. And I moved from like big man to like like two, three guard or, th- or like, like a small forward. And then eventually I had one more growth spurt from eighth to ninth grade where I grew like eight inches over the summer. And my mom was mad as hell at me. <laughs> I'm like, I control my height. <laughs> but I, I kind of settled in at like a two, three, four area. Uh, and so I would say the closest I, I have two comparisons. One of them for sure would be like Lamar Odom. I'm I'm left-handed player. Um, um I rebound, passing, playmaking, uh mid-range jumper. Like that's that's me all day long. Um somebody else mentioned because we hooped about a year or so ago and said Draymond Green. I want better <laughs> shooting Draymond Green. I say that. <laughs> but as far as like basketball IQ and like defense and communication, that's me as well, too. So I would say a hybrid between like Lamar Odom. Draymond Green with a three-point shot. I, I would say that. <laughs> okay. No, that, that sounds like a really dope player right there. We definitely got to get you out here to Phoenix one day. You could come play with me and Tev. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So we'll definitely do that. Uh, and that's funny that you talked about that growth spurt. I had kind of a similar story uh, between eighth, I would say, yeah, eighth and ninth grade. I hit that growth spurt, and I finished off at 6'2". But I finished off that, and my mom still talks about it to this day. About she, I begged her for some Jordans. I begged her and begged her and begged her for some Jordans. And I grew out of those Jordans like a month and a half. She was so mad <laughs> that I grew out of those, <laughs> those Jordans that fast. And still to this day, I'm 33 now. Still to this day, mm-hmm. <laughs> she'll bring it up like, you know, the Jordans I paid $200 for that you grew out in my yeah, ma. I, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Your mama $200, man. <laughs> yeah, nah, it's, it's, I get it. I get it. It was a lot of money. <laughs> but I was like, I like you said, you, I can't, I didn't know I was going to hit a growth spread at that moment and go crazy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I got that similar story to you. So, now let's get into the professionals, the NBA guys. And I wanted to start off with the Eastern Conference. Okay. And my first question is, should we care about the Eastern Conference playing? Man, um, I find it hard to care about the East Conference playoffs. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the top, like you got Milwaukee, you got Boston, you got Philly, and I feel like that's the top three. Like that's, that's literally yeah. somebody from that three is gonna make it out of the East and it's gonna go on to the to the next round. Um, I would say on the court, do I care about the play in? No, because I feel like whoever makes it out of the play in, I mean, the only team probably is like Miami that will give Boston some kind of annoyance, and they always yeah. give Boston some type of annoyance, but. Um, off the court, I would say yes, because you're looking at like 
Miami, Miami's going to lose at some point. What do you do next season? I mean, thank, thank God. She didn't anyway. She was going off about Udonis Haslam like <laughs> the whole year. <laughs> and now he, he gone for the season, which by the way, I mean, he had what, 24 points, three yeah. games, acting unusual. <laughs> acting unusual, man. But uh, Miami got to figure out what they're going to do with their roster configuration. I mean, Kyle Lowry ain't getting any younger. Uh, Bam is is reaching the prime of his career. Jimmy still can do his thing, but you can't have Jimmy and, and, and Bam alone. So they got to figure something out. The Hawks, I mean, there was a rumor about Trey Young being traded potentially, or they have the green light to trade Trey Young. Uh, so that's going on out there. And I feel like with Quinn Snyder's contract, so I think it's a four or five year deal, they are committing to him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're not committing to Trey Young. So they told him, hey, you can come here. If Trey Young tripping, we're going to get him out of here and figure something out. So the Hawks got to figure something out. John Collins is still there after like being in, <laughs> in trade rumors every single year. Uh, you yeah. know, so they got to figure something out. Uh, the Raptors, the Raptors are a young team. They're in a, I think they're in transition. They got to uh, see what they're going to do with uh, Siakam and Fred Van Vliet. But they have something with Scotty Barnes. And then OG Ananobi, who was in trade rumors earlier in the season, they got to do something with that. And the Bulls, again, like these, all these four teams got decisions to make. The Bulls still have DeMar DeRozan. They still have Zach Levine. They're kind of in purgatory right now where it's like, we're not terrible but we're not great. So you can't go into the next season with the exact same roster and, and sell that to Chicago Bulls fans. You can't do that. Uh, so off the court, I care about it because whoever loses that, you got to figure something out. But on the court, all these teams getting, getting gentlemen sweet at some point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm right there with you. Uh, I think that it'll, it'll be interesting because I think the games will be good this year as far as the Eastern Conference play-in because last couple of years we had the Hornets in there and they in there and got blown out in the play-in. So we didn't even get the excitement of that playoff atmosphere. But I do I do think we'll get that with these games for the play-in. So for you guys who may not be familiar, the first game is Heat Hawks playing for the seventh seed. And in that game, who do you have winning? I got the Heat. I think yeah. the Heat's just too good, too well coached. Uh, Bam's having a great year despite the, the Heat's record. Uh, Jimmy is still – I mean, Jimmy in the playoffs is a different person yeah. than Jimmy in the regular season. Once the playoffs come, he is locked in. I think it's Heat easily. I, I don't even have a, a description for that series. It's going to be Heat. <laughs> I'll be surprised if the Heat lose. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'll be surprised as well. And last year – or yeah, was it last year where you saw that where the Heat mm-hmm. really had such a good game plan for Trey Young in the playoffs? And you're going to see that in this game. Now, if the Hawks, you know, want to celebrate this acquisition of DeJounte Murray – this would be the game for DeJounte Murray to show up, yeah. right? And DeJounte Murray be like, this is why you got me, so that the Heat couldn't just singularly focus on stopping Trey Young. Uh, but even with DeJounte Murray, I just don't see this team being able to beat the Heat. And the Heat are like, uh, for me, I describe them as pulling weeds. And people mm-hmm. might hear that and think, like, why would you say, you know, they're like pulling weeds? Because they're just inconvenient. Right, like <laughs> hey, that's a good that's a good comparison man. <laughs> like no one is killed, man because living out here in arizona our front yard is mostly rocks mm-hmm. but you'll have weeds that grow in between the rocks so i gotta go out there and pull them and spray them, to make yep. sure they don't come back up and again no it's not going to defeat me like i'm going to be able to pull the weeds yep. but it's annoying i don't feel like going out there and spraying the full Look, it, it takes time you're gonna yeah. sweat exactly my lower back hurting because i gotta bend over and pull these weeds <laughs> so it's an inconvenience and that's what the heat are gonna do like you mentioned earlier they're gonna be an inconvenience to boston there's gonna be just grit and grime like the old school you know memphis Grizzlies, like you talked about they're gonna be right there playing defense switching all the time just just an annoyance so i, I imagine if you're the celtics you're rooting for the hawks to win 
so that you can have an easier yep. quote unquote matchup. But I see the Heat winning that matchup as well. Now for mm-hmm. the other Eastern Conference matchup, we got Raptors versus Bulls. Uh, these teams, when you look at them on paper, are very similar, right? They both play at a slower pace. Uh, they both have good defenses, top 10 defenses. Both have offenses that are in the bottom third of the NBA. Uh, so you're really looking at teams that have similar issues, right? With Toronto, it's a lot of iso ball when you watch them. They, For some reason, the ball movement just isn't fluid. And with the Bulls, it's not that they don't have the ability to move the ball, but their best players are best in iso, right? Your DeMar DeRozan is best at working at mid-range. Zach Levine is best, you know, pick and roll iso at times. And if you want to get the ball to Vooch in the, in the, in the paint, that's going to be isolation, isolation as well, pretty much. So when you're looking at this matchup, who do you have? Uh, when I think about the play-in, um, and I talked about this with my guys uh, over at Three the Hardaway, is it's not a seven-game series. And so you're trying to figure out, like, what player would you want the most in a one-game matchup? And that, for me, is DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan is a bucket getter. He's a professional at it. And I feel like, I mean, the Bulls on the road, they have so many veterans. Uh, I mean, you still got, like I said, Levine, you got Vucci, man, you got – uh, Caruso, uh, you got um, Pat Bev <laughs> there as well. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't see a young Raptors team, even though they have a lot of talent. They got Spicy P, they got Fred Van Vliet. It's been an up and down year for the Raptors, but I feel like the Bulls are playing good basketball right now. Well, not good or great, but like better basketball than what they were playing early in the season to the point where they mm-hmm. locked in that Tim C. So I'm going to actually roll with the Bulls over the Raptors for this one, mm-hmm. just for the fact that they have DeMar DeRozan, who – when it comes down to, to getting the bucket in a one-game situation, not seven games against LeBron or four or five against LeBron with DeMar DeRozan, <laughs> but uh, one-game matchup, I, I would take DeMar DeRozan. I'll take Pat Bev. I'll take Zach Levine, Chicago Bulls. Okay. Now, I, I can definitely feel you on that one. Now, DeMar DeRozan has struggled against Toronto this mm-hmm. season. Uh, the last two games scored nine and 13 points, respectively. Uh, but I can see him, like you said, as one game. He can get catch on fire. Him or Zach Levine can catch on fire and carry a team to a one-team victory. And with the Raptors, they have players who can score. You mentioned Van Vliet. You mentioned Siakam. But they don't have the explosive scoring ability of DeRozan and Zach Levine. So in a one-game situation, I do trust them more. So now we have to determine who we think will get the eighth spot. So we both agree on the Heat getting the seventh spot. Who do you have getting the eighth spot? If the Hawks lose, they will play the winner of the Raptors and Bulls. Who do you have getting the eighth spot? Man, uh, it's crazy, but I'm going with Chicago. Like I, I just feel like I, I feel like Chicago is going to get that AC. It's it, I might be crazy, but yeah. I just feel like Demar Derozan is going to will that team to get the AC and then get their butts kicked by Milwaukee first round. <laughs> 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 it's going to be like, yeah, we get there and then you get swept by Milwaukee, you know, in the first round. So I, I, I'm gonna go with the Bulls. I mean, I'm not confident in any of these teams. I mean, aside yeah. from Miami, who I could be a little bit confident in. Other three is like it's a foregone conclusion regardless of who makes it. I'm just rolling with Chicago for this one. Yeah, okay, I can see that. I'm gonna go Atlanta, uh, just because Trey Young again that one game scenario. Maybe yep. he'll get one of those special Trey Young games in there, and he'll be able to carry them to that first round. But like you said, whoever gets that A spot getting spanked in that first round anyway. So <laughs> that's the Eastern Conference plan. Now before we get to the Western Conference plan, we gotta talk about a team who's not gonna be playing in the play in this year who made it to the Western Conference Finals last year. Mm. And then this year did not make the play in, let alone the playoffs. Talking about the Dallas Mavericks. There's so many different directions in which you can go (laughs) when talking about the Dallas Mavericks. But let's start with the Kyrie Irving trade. When that Mm -hmm. trade first happened, and just to remind people, let me pull it up real quick, just to remind people what the trade was, 
It was Kyrie Irving going to Dallas and the Brooklyn Nets received Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith, along with an unprotected 2029 first-round pick, which a couple of, a few years from now, people are like, really? Where did that pick come from? Like, they're going to forget about it. <laughs> and it's gonna be a, it's it might be, be a good pick if Luke get out of there. It might be a it, great pick. <laughs> exactly, that might be a great pick some years from now, along with also a 2027 and 2029 second round picks. So when you first heard that trade, what did you think of the trade? Did you think this was going to improve Dallas? That they were going to have a good run, or were you shaky about the trade? So that so we were on through the Hardaway when the trade happened. So we literally had a live reaction to it. Um, our reaction was like, what, like, just, just for Kyrie getting traded in general, somebody traded anything for Kyrie Irving, who was, I mean, to be honest, a malcontent, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Um, my initial thoughts was because it was prior to the KD trade, maybe a day or so before the KD trade, uh, we were like, okay, Dallas, you got, you got what in theory was Jalen Brunson last year, you know, yeah. a scorer who can take the load off of Luka Doncic. I mean, it was a, it was, you know, widely uh, talked about that. And Lucas struggled in the fourth quarter uh, last year because he did so much on offense. So it's like, okay, you got Kyrie Irving, one of the best clutch uh, scorers of all time, especially in the fourth quarter. So yeah. it was like, okay, this is this could work. But we didn't really think too deeply about they're losing Dorian Finney-Smith, you're losing Spencer Dinwiddie, you're losing these pieces that that helped y'all get to the finals, the West Conference Finals last year. Yeah. Uh, and so, of course, Dallas' defense has suffered tremendously. It's, it's awful. Their defense is, oh, my God, it's terrible. Offense yeah. is like, it's great. But defensively, they can't guard me and you out there right now. <laughs> we, we, we can get 20 points from <laughs> against the Dallas Mavericks right now. Um, and so, like, yeah, that, that was my initial thoughts. And then, like, now Kyrie could just say, you know what, I'm out of here. And y'all gave up all of this for me for, what, 23 games? Yeah. So Dallas, they got a problem on their hands. Because even if Kyrie decides to go, I, well, I'll say this. I think Dallas is going to sign him because they got to see it through. They're going to give him his yeah. money, which which could be crazy, but they might end up having a great draft uh, and and getting some some decent role players. So I think they're going to bring him back next year. Uh, but as it stands right now, it's just a, it's a mess in Dallas, man. Like it's he not speaking with the media. Everybody but him was speaking. You know that that to me speaks volumes. I know like the whole like uh, not trusting of the media. You know this new media, quote unquote. I mean, you still, based on the CBA obligations, you have to speak to the media in some capacity to give them something to talk about in the news. And yeah. so for him to not speak is like alarming on top of what happened in Brooklyn, what happened in Boston, what happened a little bit in Cleveland. So he should have got out in front of this and took care of it to kind of, you know, put some put some spray on the on the fire. But he's he's a malcontent, man. Just, <laughs> yeah, I just, I just it's yeah. what it is with Kyrie, man. Nah, that's the thing. So when this trade first happened. I was like, man, they're going to be monsters offensively, mm. right? I was like, there's going to be games where both of those score, guys score 35, 40 points each. And we're like, oh, my God, this is unstoppable. But then I also thought there's going to be games where they both give up 35, 40 points each. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's going to be very tough for them to contend in that type of way. And that's what people forget about last year. Luka was incredible last season. But the reason they made that run in the playoffs was that defense. Right. And I think we've probably all seen the clip now where it was on all the social media stuff where Jason Kidd's yelling out instructions and you see Dallas scrambling around to his coverages against the Suns and how tuned they was in on yep. defense. And they were, like you said, just trash defensively. And as much as people like to say that defense isn't played today, it is played. It's just harder to play, it, mm -hmm. right, because of the guys right. are so skilled and you have to play it to win. And they just didn't play defense. And this is probably the first time in Kyrie's career where 
a team didn't live up to expectations and it wasn't his fault. Like this one it wasn't really on him. And he just happened to get there at the wrong time after all the defenders then yeah. left. And Jason Kidd was being weird this year. Like it was, I've never seen a coach <laughs> go from like last year. We was like, man, Jason Kidd is killing it. He's doing an awesome mm-hmm. job. And this year we were always like, what is, what is kid doing? And uh, your guy Sheedy was like, broke it down in a tweet that I yep. saw where he was talking about all the different things that Jason Kidd was doing wrong. I was like, man, you, when you break it down in that way, it's like, what was he doing? What was he seeing yep. out there? Uh, and it's just rough. So this has led to reports of Luka Doncic maybe asking for a trade, not right now, but the end of next year. Now, this hasn't come from Luka directly, but there's been reports out there. Now, my theory on this is that Luca, you know, put it in somebody's ear. Just hey, put this out there. Let them know they got a year. They got a year Apply to get pressure. Their, yeah, they got a year to get their shit straight. Mm-hmm. If, if they don't, I'm gonna be out here asking for a trade. So, what do you think about Luca asking for a trade? And if you're Dallas, what is your reaction to it? I think Luca asking for a trade is is a, a leveraging point. I mean, I feel like I, I remember when Kobe wanted to get traded. To Chicago from the Lakers. This is back in like oh six, oh seven, like right before they got pal. But that is pressure on the front office. Say, hey, if y'all don't figure this out, I'm out of here. Well, I'm gonna yeah. force my way out of here. And so, what did we see in turn from the Lakers? We saw them trade, you know, for Pakistan, and of course, that led to two rings. So, uh, the the problem now is that Dallas has no assets. Like, yeah. I don't want Tim Hardaway Jr. I don't want Reggie Bullock. I don't. I don't want none of these players. And I don't have draft capital because I traded that. In the Kyrie trade, I mean, I might have some picks, but like, I'm, I'm like, no, I don't want Kyrie Irving. I, I don't, I don't like who, who was going to trade for Kyrie Irving? What is his value right now? Because if you trade for him, you have to sign him because you have to, you have to validate the trade. trade. Um, and so it's like, it, they, they are in a tough spot right now. And I, like I said, they're gonna have to sign Kyrie Irving and figure it out. That's the hope. They may have to make a coaching change because coaching was the issue last year. Now I don't blame Jason Kidd. I don't blame Luca. I don't blame Kyrie. I'm. With this kid, I really blame my Mark Cuban for making that trade in the first place because he really didn't necessarily have to. Like he didn't have to. I mean, Luca needed some help, yes, but you didn't have to make that trade. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You could have made a different one to to help the team out because they were they were in fourth place. You were in fourth place back in February at the trade deadline. You ended in eleventh. I know there was like maybe like three or four games separating four from eleven, but to fall that far and have teams like the Thunder. And these other teams get above you. That's 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 ridiculous. That's that's bad. That's bad business. So, um, they gonna have to stick with them. <laughs> I guess I mean, unless somebody like the the Hornets want to get them to sell tickets, which or not sell tickets, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> somebody out there, I just I don't know what team would fit with Kyrie. But as far as Luca, I mean, Luca, you the world is yours, my guy. <laughs> you can go yeah. wherever you want to go. They're gonna be breaking the door now, trying to get to you. And I, I, we'll see that within. I'm going to assume probably within midway through next season, because if it's still the same mess, Luca going to be like, nah, man. Oh, I got, I got an ankle. I'm sitting down. I ain't, I ain't doing it. You know what I'm saying? So. Now nah, I'm right there with you, man. He's trying to apply pressure. And it kind of reminds me of the first time LeBron was in Cleveland, mm-hmm. right? Where he didn't back then, they didn't know they had the leverage they have now. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But there were, you could tell that they made some panic moves, right? Why yep. are you signing Shaq? At that age, like, <laughs> like they made some panic moves to try to keep LeBron happy around mm-hmm. that time, and it just didn't work out. So eventually, he you know made a decision to leave to Miami, and with the switch now, where you can demand trades and whatnot, I can see him saying, "Okay, let me put some pressure and let you know you got one year this offseason mm-hmm. to get it right. And if we're not good next year, 
I'm going to be asking to get out of here. So with Luca, I can't really blame him for that because yeah. he's seeing a landscape where he's putting in all this work and it's not really leading to winning. And I'm not the hugest Luca fan because when you watch him, it's annoying. Like it's a James <laughs> Harden, man. James Harden. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's annoying watching him. Not only just the play style, but him complaining every yeah. call, oh, every play, every call. Yeah, yeah. you're like, come on, Luca. Like everything's and one, everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I get where you know people can look at this and put it with the play and the complaining, and be like, oh, it's just a spoiled guy mm-hmm. putting it out there. But I do agree with him that he should apply pressure. And say we need to win. I'm one of the best players in the league. There's no way we should be missing the play in, let alone the playoffs, with me on the roster. So I definitely agree there. And yeah, with Kyrie, you know, it's like that meme. I'm gonna stick beside him like this. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they got. That's what they got to do. They got. They just got to stick beside him. <laughs> they ain't really got no other options right now. <laughs> so yeah, they got. They got to stick beside him and hopefully make some other moves. It was very interesting that Mark Cuban was like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try to sign Kyrie." Then they asked him about uh, Christian Wood. He was like, "Oh, we don't talk about players." Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's definitely writing's on the wall there, and they're gonna see what moves they can make and try to improve their roster. It's gonna be very very interesting to see what happens there. Mm-hmm. So now let's talk about the teams that did finish ahead of them in the standings. We'll be playing in the play in. Very interesting game we have between the seven and eight seed, the Lakers, and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, Minnesota Timberwolves in this last game against the Pelicans had everything go wrong besides the game. They happened to manage to win that game somehow. Uh, my Pelicans, huge, stupid loss <laughs> losing to them. Man, yeah, I was mad for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it was so frustrating watching that game, watching us lose. But during that game, Jay McDaniels, one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. Gets upset, punches a wall, breaks his hand. So he's out for the rest of the season. Rudy Gobert, him and slow-mo, Kyle Anderson get into it. And, you know, Kyle Anderson called him a B-word that rhymes with itch. (laughs) (laughs) And Rudy Gobert responded by pushing him and backpedaling, which really doesn't disprove what Kyle Anderson (laughs) was was calling you. That doesn't help the cause at all, Rudy. (laughs) But they get into it. And Rudy Gobert is sent to the locker room for the rest of the game. And then we found out today it's suspended for the playing game against the Lakers. So going into this matchup, I'm going Lakers because of all the drama going on with the Timberwolves. Do you see the Timberwolves having any chance in this one? Uh, I mean, maybe. I mean, they get rid of the problem. <laughs> Go for and, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, so uh, the good thing is that Cat is back, so that that helps them at least offensively. Defensively, I mean, it's gonna hurt to lose not only Gobert but McDonald's, who's one of the best defenders as well on the perimeter. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna roll with the Lakers because I just, I mean, unless slow mo is was the, was the the catalyst for change for the Timberwolves this season. Uh, um, I, I I would expect the Lakers to win this game, and it should it shouldn't be as big of a problem. Now I am I mean, I'm curious to see how um how Ant Man looks with an open lane because we've seen that help him out once yes. Big Man are out of the way and he can attack the basket and just be who he is free on offense. That does tend to help. And I don't know if the Lakers have anybody that can handle uh, Ant-Man when Ant-Man is going. Uh, I mean, I saw that last year with the Grizzlies. I mean, Dylan Brooks, everybody was being thrown at him, and it, did, it just did not matter to to, yeah. um, to Ant-Man. So I'm going to roll the Lakers too. But, I mean, would I be surprised if Timberwolves win? Nah, they got rid of the problem. So <laughs> <laughs> Now, you being a Memphis guy, are you rooting for the Timberwolves in this game? 
to beat a seven seed and you played them again in the playoffs. That was a very interesting series last year <laughs> <laughs> that you guys had with them. Or would you rather play maybe an aging LeBron, Anthony Davis, rest of these Lakers? I'm gonna be honest, man. Like from I like I'm a basketball fan uh, in general, so I like to yeah. see good basketball. I like to see rivalries. I like to see. I, I want good series. I don't want like sweeps. I, I hate that. I want to see you know the, the the world's best basketball players go at it and it be a competitive matchup. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I'm I was okay with Lakers, Timberwolves, or Pelicans. I was okay. With, I mean, OKC, yeah, but they not they not ready yet. But yeah. the other three teams, I was like, yes, please give me good basketball on Bill Street. I I would take that. Uh, personally, I want the Lakers because Grizzlies fans, some of them are scared of the the refs and the free throws, which I've I've gone out and said, yes, the Lakers are getting the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that, yeah. Because <laughs> Austin Reeves is getting an amazing whistle right now. It, it's yes. ridiculous. Uh, but but I feel like, you know, fundamentally, the, the Grizzlies can beat the Lakers in like five, six games. Like, yes, like they're a better team. They're, they're better defensively. They have a, a shooter now. We've never had a shooter like like two of them, not just one, two of them, Luke Kennard mm-hmm. and, and Bain. So I feel like this team is equipped to win regardless of Steven Adams' plays or not. Uh, so I, I want the Lakers, but I'll take the Timberwolves as well. You know, it, it really doesn't matter for me. But I, I think the better matchup as far as like in favor of the Grizzlies would be the Timberwolves because, I mean, they have a lot of issues internally mm-hmm. right now that they don't seem to be able to resolve. Yeah, the only thing with the Timberwolves, because Rudy Gobert's suspension is one game. So if they managed to beat the Lakers, you would have to deal with Rudy Gobert. And just because of his size and you guys missing your size with the injuries you guys have, that could cause an issue. You know, Rudy could get a bunch of rebounds and stuff like that that could cause issues. But I would definitely rather face the T-Wolves just based off of what they're going through. And Anthony Edwards, man, you mentioned in that game against the Pelicans, bro, second half, he decided <laughs> – I'm going to guard Brandon Ingram. Yep. Brandon Ingram went crazy. First quarter, he had 21 points. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, going nuts. And he still managed to finish with 42. Like, it's not like he was shut down. But mm-hmm. he was like, I'm going to make it very, very difficult. And he did. Yeah, work for it. Yeah, he made it very, very difficult on Brandon Ingram, along with being a force on the offensive end. He is a superstar in the making. Like, yes. if, you don't, if you're not, you know, familiar with Anthony Edwards, get familiar. He's yes. going to be all NBA very, very soon because of what he can do on both ends, for sure. So now it's time for the 9-10 matchup, which involves my Pelicans. Unfortunately, we should have been the 8 seed, but <laughs> we, we fell to the 9 seed after losing to the Timberwolves. We'll be hosting the Oklahoma City Thunder in this one. Uh, who do you have in this matchup? Um, I, I got the Pelicans because I feel like y'all just have a better and more uh, seasoned team. Uh, with, I mean, Brandon Ingram, one of my favorite players. Like, I like them with the Lakers. Monster, yeah. Like, like that dude. Like, I don't know why people sleep on him. I'm like, this man is a professional scorer, y'all. Like, don't don't sleep on Brandon Ingram, yeah. man. Uh, but I, I think OKC is not ready yet. It's good that they, they're getting the experience. They don't even have their full roster with Chet Holmgren coming next year and whoever they decide mm-hmm. to pick. Uh, uh, if they get, I'm, not, I'm sure they got two draft picks this year just because they yeah. just thunder. <laughs> <laughs> they got a bunch uh, of them, yeah. <laughs> right, but but get but give me the Pelicans just for some fact that it's it's a better team, uh, better coach. Um, I don't know the update with Zion. I'm kind of nervous about Zion in general. Uh, yeah. But I think Brandon Ingram is enough. I don't think – I mean, let's Lou Dort. I mean, Lou Dort, he can sit in that chair now. I ain't, I ain't gonna yeah, no, nah, he's Lou a very Dort. good defender. <laughs> I ain't going to disrespect Lou Dort. But I think Brandon Ingram is just going to wheel his team uh, to this win. I just need everybody else around him to step up as well, too. Trey Murphy is great. He's uh, got a monster. Donald is great. Uh, just, just step up around B.I. and y'all should comfortably get to the, to the next game. Yeah, I'm with you. I think we will win this game. I think the key, honestly, we've talked about this on Twitter before. Jonas Valachunas in certain matchups can mm-hmm. just go to work. The yeah. Thunder don't have any big men. 
Like if you look at in their, you literally look at their roster. There's no one who actually gets time who's listed as a center. No mm-hmm. one. So Jonas Valachunas, this is his matchup. Go to work, and he doesn't have to score 25, but just be a presence in the post. They come in double. You get the open threes for a Trey Murphy, who's been since the All Star break, just been a monster Amazing. from three point from three point land. Herb Jones has found his stroke the last few weeks. You know, CJ McCollum, he's somebody who has to play better. He was a big part of the reason. Oh man, oh my god, <laughs> he was a big part play of better, the reason. Man. Yeah, he was a big part of the reason we lost that game against the Timberwolves. So he has to step up as well. But like you said, between Ingram and the size advantage that we have, uh, we should be able to win this game. So if things work out the way that we think they will, we'll get Timberwolves versus Pelicans for the A spot. And who do you have getting that eight seed going against the Nuggets in the first round? I got y'all getting y'all hit back, man. I can't I can't <laughs> see y'all seeing them again and losing. Yeah. I, I just that game was a mess. It should not, y'all should not have lost that game. Yeah. Uh, just craziness happened during that game. Um I just, I just think y'all need McCullum to look at the opposite side of the court and just and just visualize. A Memphis Grizzlies jersey. <laughs> when he plays the Grizzlies, that man turns to a like Elm Matthew with the Blaze or the Pelicans. He just he he gonna get 30 and he's gonna have about 25 in the first half. It just happens every single time. So um I I, I think y'all just gonna have y'all gonna win that game. I, I think it's just a matter of like y'all should have won the last one. It should never have got to this point. And I mm-hmm. think the team is gonna understand that. I think uh, Willie Green's gonna be able to to coach that into his players, and like I said, Brandon Ingram. I mean, and man can guard Brandon Ingram, but I mean, Bi still gonna get his 30, 40 points uh, easily. Just just need everybody around him to step up. That's that's gonna be crucial. I used to call uh, Valentino the easy button when he was with the Grizzlies because like you can just get a ball to him, he gonna score it. Like yeah, <laughs> Rudy Gobert's not there. Cat cannot guard nobody. Like he yeah. he can't do it. So if you need a bucket, especially in the playoffs, man, the playoffs. Um, of course, the game is layups and threes now, but sometimes you just need a bucket on offense on a crucial mm-hmm. possession in that third quarter. Valanciunas is that guy. He he can do it as long as he stay on the court uh, defensively. So he might he he might have trouble with Cat out on that perimeter having to guard yeah. him. Uh, but I just think that the Pelicans are going to figure it out and they're going to get into the AC and play uh, Denver in that first round. I'm with you. That's my prediction. So since you said it first, I don't seem like a homer, but I got the Lakers Lakers and Pelicans getting that spot. And you mentioned the Zion thing. So it's been announced that he won't play in the play in, but he may play in the playoffs. And as crazy as this sounds, with the healthy Zion, I'm not scared of Denver. With the healthy Zion, because defensively, well, I like to call it seek and destroy. Like you can, you have a player out there who you can seek on that offense through picking rolls and through making your team switch. You're going to attack them and we're going to attack Jokic. And you can see Zion just attacking that rim over and over again. Ingram attacking that rim over and over again. Jonas in the post. So I think that could be a very good series. Even with if Zion can't play, it still be decent, but I would pick us to lose. But mm-hmm. if Zion does play, I'm going with the 8 1 upset if we get there. So you heard it here first if it does happen. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about Zion, man, it's that hammy, man. Like, I just yeah. – the hammy, if it wants you to go down, you will go down. It don't matter if it's a little, a little tweak or a full-on tear. Like, yeah. and with his game so predicated on, like, uh, not necessarily, like, pure, like, jumping athleticism, but the hard cuts to the yeah. basket and the explosiveness, that is crucial. You need your hamstring for that. Um, and so for him, like I, I want to see Zion play. Like I, I do not want him to be injured. I need him to be that dude because, like, 
that draft was a great draft with him and then Ja and everybody else that came, you know, afterwards. Like, I want him to be that guy because, I mean, y'all in our division, man, like, our games are always good. Whether it's in New Orleans, whether it's in Memphis, it's always been good. And I, I want both teams to be at their best. I just don't know if Zion, at least for right now this year, is going to be healthy enough, as you mentioned, healthy enough to, to, to play and be effective long-term. Like, when he's in the game, the man gets 27 points. He's going to get eight rebounds. You're not going to yeah. stop him at the rim. He's one of the best field goal percentages at the rim. That's just who he is. And if yeah. you ever learn to shoot a three-point shot, it's a wrap. Uh, yeah. But just got to stay healthy. I need y'all to hire whoever Philadelphia's uh, medical staff is when they work with MB and yeah. just go from there. <laughs> that's what y'all got to do. I say that's a definitely a, <laughs> a very good suggestion right there because MB went from playing 31 games in his first three mm-hmm. years to consistently playing 55 games at least yep. each and every year after that. So – and speaking of, great transition right there. That's why you're on the professionals. Great segue. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Into our Eastern Conference series that we have set. So the first one we have set is Philly versus Brooklyn. Now, three, four months ago, this series would have been monstrous. Like, this would have been, if we had Philly, Brooklyn, Brooklyn in the Ben first Simmons round, and MB, man. Yeah, Ben Simmons, <laughs> MB, Kevin Durant, Kyrie. Going against James Harden and Tyre and oh, it would have been crazy. But mm-hmm. now we got MB, Harden, Maxi, Tobias Harris going against you know my man Mikael Bridges. You know, he's a good player, but he's not gonna okay. somebody who's gonna move the needle for you as far as the excitement of the game. Uh Spencer mm-hmm. Dinwiddie out there. Uh Ben Simmons not even playing, he's he's hurt. <laughs> um, so don't get me started with that minutes, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Ben Simmons thing is it's one of the craziest stories. Period. Yeah. Like this dude is 26 and was an all NBA player not too long ago. Yep. And now is a bench guy who mm-hmm. don't even trust to be in the game. Like I've never, I don't think I've ever seen that without like traumatic injury. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like we haven't seen it unless somebody really has just never been the same from their body standpoint. But with him, mm-hmm. it's not that. It's mm-hmm. it's all mental. It's, it's, it's upstairs, definitely crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. But looking at this series, you know, I we're all favoring seven to 76ers. Uh, mm-hmm. but was there anything that you saw from Brooklyn's standpoint that they can do to try to pull up the upset? Uh I uh, yeah, I, I got a feeling winning, and I don't think there's anything that Brooklyn can do. Yeah. I mean, Nick Classen's had a great year. I mean, at one point he was in DPOY conversation and they kind of tapered off towards the end of the season. Yeah. Uh and I think that's because they made the trade. The trade kind of just threw off the dynamic of the team uh in general. Yeah. Uh but uh I think what Brooklyn can do or what's most important for them this year is to just, I would say, learn from this experience. Uh, you have a young team led by Mikael Bridges and whoever else they decide to bring in next year. Uh, Cam, bo- both cams are, are, are you know, shooters and scorers. Um, I think they should just play loose and just play the way they've been playing. I mean, you can mess around and win one or two games if you just allow Mikael Bridges to go out and score 40 points. Uh, he's one of the best defenders in the NBA, and, and I didn't even know he was like this on offense. I mean, I knew he yeah. was decent in Phoenix as like a what, fourth option. But he just appears to be unlocked, you know, and Brooklyn's having fun, which is what Brooklyn, I think, thrives in. They thrive better when they had Russell and Dinwiddie on the same team. Um, and, and those like those players that were like they're like role players, but they they worked well together. It's kind of Spurs S, where it's like, you know, not just they had Tim Duncan, obviously, but like they're the sum of their parts and, and yeah. they play well together as a unit. So uh I don't think they have any answer for Joel and B at all. Joel and B, I mean, he's gonna win MVP this year. Um, but I think what they should do is hope that James Harden gets his playoff yips. Uh, 
Uh, <laughs> and then also, uh, get, I'll say get Embiid in foul trouble. However they going to do that, I don't know, because they don't really have an inside presence on offense. Yeah. Um, and then from there, you just got to pray. <laughs> pray that he <laughs> turns into, into we, the one that we that we know him to be in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah I'm right there with you. I was trying to look for ways. I was like, you can double Embiid, but then the thing is they have – People outside, Maxie like, shooting it, man. Like, yeah, that's the thing. Maxie can shoot it. Harris can shoot it. You know, Harden can shoot it. So there's no one who can really just leave. Like other teams have people that you can just leave and be like, okay, we're gonna double and we're gonna make that dude beat us with shots, right? Mm-hmm. And even in the NBA, we've seen it before where those players that you think you can leave end up hitting big threes because they're in the NBA for a reason. Like Grant Williams last year for Boston against Milwaukee. Milwaukee's like, all right, we're gonna leave them. And we're going to help off of them, and he ended up hitting seven threes. Yep. So you have to at least provide some type of defense to any NBA player out there outside of, like, the big guys and the Draymond Greens who can't shoot at all. But with this, I just want to see Mikael Bridges have a chance to be the lead guy in a playoff series. I want to see how he handles that pressure and how he's able to navigate through being the guy that the defense has scouted, right? That's a, that's going to be a big thing. Like, come playoff time, they're scouting to stop you. Uh, especially Dinwiddie, we've seen your movies. I don't want you to be the lead guy. I want, <laughs> want Mikel Bridges <laughs> to be the lead guy. So we just see that happen. I got Philly in five. Are you going Philly? Are you going gentleman sweep? Are you going straight up sweep? Yeah, I, I say five about right. They, it uh, might go six, but five five's more likely. I would say they'll win one. Okay. Yeah, I got game three. I can see the Nets pulling out something at home. You know, having that home court and doing something there. So now let's get to the next series, which seems to be a lot more competitive. And this is one of the things that I think the this is one question I forgot to ask you about the play in mm-hmm. before we get to this series. What are your thoughts on the play in as a whole, just mm-hmm. in general? I I love it off top because I feel like it makes basketball more meaningful at the end of the end of the season. Because I mean, yes, at some point it's a foregone conclusion who's getting in. I mean, the Eastern Conference playoffs was pretty much set. Yeah. But even still, like they had to position themselves from from what says uh eight to whatever it is numbers, numbers yeah seven are. to ten Se- yeah. seven ten yeah uh so you still got to fight for position so you just got to win one game compared to like having to do two and then go on the road for one of those wins um yeah. I liked it off top because I mean in the bubble it was a miss like you had to figure out how do you how are you going to be fair to these other teams like so that they have a chance to get in there were so many games though I mean it happened like what January or February whenever the the pandemic happened in 2020 yeah. uh so I liked it then I mean I I could see why people didn't like it because because you feel like if you were the seventh seed and you get and you lose twice it's not fair because you won more games but i'm like if you were seventh seed you should beat the 10 seed or, or the yeah or the ac whatever at some point you should get in still so if you lose that's on you man uh so i'm cool with it i i, I loved it i i i came if anything i would like to see it adjusted a little bit in favor of the one and two seed because they don't know who they're going to play until late into the week and yeah. they play on sunday uh, so maybe they can do a thing where once the seating has been set, one and two, you know, in order of like a draft, you can pick who you want to play uh, from there. And then that way, the three and four seed, you know, and, and the five and six seed don't necessarily know who they're going to play compared to like the one and two who got to figure out, are we playing OKC? Are we playing the Pelicans or whatever? So that's the only chance that I would make to the play in. OK, now I definitely can see that for sure, because like you said, you should get an advantage for earning a one seed in that way. So I can see that. Another thing that I like about the play and I agree with everything that you stated. I like that if you get a top six seed, now you get like a week off. Yep. So that adds an extra benefit to getting those top six spots and a team that it could benefit is New York Knicks. Uh, Julius Randle was dealing with an injury. Hopefully he's able to come back. We're going to preview it as if he's coming back to play against this Cleveland Cavaliers team. And this is one of the series I'm really excited about because 
honestly, I can see it going either way. Yeah. So when you look at it from, let's start with the Knicks perspective. <laughs> what do you think the Knicks can do to win this series? Um, you got Jalen Brunson, man. Like yeah. <laughs> Jalen Brunson. I mean, talk about the Dallas Mavericks. They are missing Jalen Brunson heavily. Yeah. Um, I I I didn't think that Jalen Brunson was as good. Like I'll be first to admit that because I felt like you know he was hiding behind Luca, but like I mean he got out of that shadow and he thrived, man. Like he just turned to an, an all star uh, player, honestly. Yeah. Um. So I I think that they have him to combat what Spider Mitchell can offer. Uh. For for Cleveland. So I think they're gonna be able to score, you know, tit for tat with um with Cleveland. Uh, what they gotta do is lock in on defense, and then I mean, look who their coach is, y'all. I mean, it's Tom Thibodeau. He yeah. he his bread and butter bread and butter is defense. And so I, I figure I, I'm I'm hoping that Tibbs is able to figure out what does he want to do with Garland. Who Garland he I mean he had a down year, but it was still a good down year. I mean you brought yeah. in a all star player, of course you're gonna have a down year. No one's gonna are gonna do it. Uh, yeah. But he still put up like 22 a game and he's still like high up in the assist category. So we know that he's doing more playmaking, but he also can score if he needs to. He had a 50 point sure. game last year, you know. So, um, I think this is going to be a seven game series. I, I feel like there's no other choice because I feel like both teams are, I mean, it's, it's a four and five matchup, they're evenly matched, yeah, uh, for that reason. So, um, what I, what I want to see from the New York Knicks, I want to see RJ Barrett step up, man. You got paid, he still is struggling with his shot. But you are a six foot seven, six foot eight wing. If I need you to go lock up as best you can, Donovan Mitchell, go do that. That's that's gonna be your your assignment, man. You got to go guard uh, Spider Mitchell so that you, it can free up Jalen Brunson. It can free up uh, Emmanuel quickly, who's been playing very well. He might he's, be six man. He's so good, yeah, man. So so yeah, I think that's what they got to do if they want to win. But like you said, it can go either way, man. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think it can go either way from the Knicks perspective. I'm really looking at the matchup between Quickly and Gar and Garland. I know Quickly comes off the bench, but he's going to be playing a lot of minutes, right? Yeah. Starter minutes in this series, and I think his assignment is going to be either Garland or Mitchell, depending on you know what the lineup is. And the reason I put Quickly and Garland against each other is because I feel like Quickly is that second guard as far as the scoring, just like Garland is for Cleveland. And whoever wins that matchup, as far as just being more productive and more efficient could lead to whoever wins this series because I can see maybe Donovan Mitchell, you know, he's going to have a couple of games where he goes off and we've seen it. You go back to like the bubble and gets the nuggets and yeah, and he just went crazy. So we know what he has the ability to do. He even finished top five for me in MVP because I had to take Luca off my MVP ballot and I put Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell there and Mitchell's going to have those crazy games. The thing is with the Knicks, you mentioned Brunson. It's very important for Brunson to make sure that Randall doesn't do too much. In the games where Brunson didn't play, that's what I noticed about Randall. He feels like, okay, if Brunson's not here, I got to go all out. I got I to do everything. And it turns into him doing too much, yeah. right? So Brunson is so important when it comes to the Knicks, not just his production of scoring, but the way he controls the game. Mm-hmm. He controls the game in such a way, and he puts everybody in a great position. So he's very important. And I want to see if they put Garland on him or Mitchell on Brunson to see like what that matchup is if they wanted to take the chance of having Mitchell tired on the on offense because he's mm-hmm. guarding Brunson on the other end so it's gonna be very interesting to see what they do there. there's a lot of different things that can happen here uh man this is I a don't know I, I don't know <laughs> bigger, man. I, so here's my thing my my gut my my basketball gut is telling me Knicks so I Ooh. feel like the Knicks are a bit more experienced uh, especially with the coaching. I mean, Tom Thibodeau, we know how he was with Chicago. 
We know yeah. how he was when he was at Boston as a as a defensive coordinator for like the big three. Um, I I feel like Thibodeau is gonna figure something out uh for Cleveland. I mean, he's they can still score 30 points, 30, 40 points from Spider Mitchell, but yeah, I I feel strongly about Jalen Brunson and I even feel strongly about Julius Randle, who somehow is making threes after breaking threes <laughs> in three point shootout. So that just amazes me. I mean, yeah. I've always said Randall is a glorified six man starting. Um, he can, yeah. I mean, he can score in bunches. Like the dude can score, dude can play. He's a good player. Yeah. Uh, but he thinks he's that guy, but he's not that guy. And I think yeah. that guy for that for the Knicks is Jalen Brunson. And so that now they have Brunson as the guy, I think it's gonna help them win this series. And I said seven, but I feel like it might be six. I feel like it might be six. I don't know why. Going Knicks and six. I'm going yeah. Cavs and six. Going okay. Cavs and six in this one. I just their defense, number one defense in the league all year, pretty much. Oh, yeah. And Mobley been, and, and Jared Allen. Yeah. Yeah. That, that <laughs> defense is, and I think the length of Mobley and Allen will give Randall trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you mentioned Randall's been good at shooting threes, but do you trust him to make threes consistently if he can't get buckets inside? If you're asking me, no, I don't. <laughs> if you're asking me, no, I don't. <laughs> so that's one of the things I'm looking at. I'm like, yeah. Randall, to be effective, has to get inside. And that's when he gets into the rhythm and starts making those threes. Mm-hmm. I've seen he bought out against the Pelicans. I've seen him go crazy and be able to hit those threes. So I know it can happen, mm-hmm. but you don't want to depend on that, right? And right. the defense of the Cavs is so good that I think they're going to make it tough for Randall. Brunson's going to get off. He's going to do his thing because he's so crafty. He's going to be able to get in there and do his thing. But I think the, the behind the scoring of Mitchell and Garland and playmaking of Garland is also – and defense of Cleveland, I think they win this one in six. It was a very, very entertaining yeah. series, very so. close one. So I wouldn't be shocked if your prediction comes true of Knicks and six, but I'm going Cavs and six in that one. Okay, I made it. So now let's go to the Western Conference. This is the playoffs that everybody's excited about, at least the first round. The Eastern Conference mm-hmm. comes second round. That's where everybody's going to be hype about and thoroughly start to get into it. But with the Western Conference – Honestly, we have no idea. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> no idea who's going to come out of these series. So let's start with the 3-6 matchup. We got mm. Sacramento against Golden State. And I mentioned earlier how we have certain matchups where teams kind of mirror each other. Mm-hmm. This is the definition of that, right? Yes, Two sir. people who are going to play very, very fast, mm-hmm. who are going to shoot a bunch of threes, who don't really have the size to stop you on the inside defensively. Like if you if you get to the paint, you're going to get your layup. Like they don't have anybody who's going to be there to block your shot. And also they have playmakers outside of their point guard, right? Mm-hmm. Sacramento, Demas Sabonis is their playmaker. He's the guy who leads them in assists. And we all know how good Draymond Green is when it comes to playmaking for his teammates, you know, outside of Steph Curry being that guy. So when you look at this matchup, who do you have winning and why? Man, uh, so the Warriors, in theory, are well, not in theory, in practice, they are the, the road team, and yeah. their road record. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's, hard, it's horrible! <laughs> like, I just don't get it either. Like, I just I, still can't explain it. I don't it. either, man. I try to ask my guy Darren from Fat Boy Fadeaway and uh, T, yeah. like, I they don't even know what's going <laughs> on because it's just like, I don't know. And but the flip side of that is Steve Kerr has won at least one road game on the way to know their their championships and so i as a watcher of basketball i respect that i'm like look yeah. all the, I, I said it all year all they gotta do is win one game because you're not gonna go into uh i guess chase now not the oracle but chase yeah. and you're not going there you're probably not gonna win it's and be tough for sure 
Yeah, so it, this actually kind of favors the Warriors in terms of, like, your first two games are going to be in Sacramento. You don't even have to win that first game. That first game might be about downloading what their offense is doing so that you can figure out how to stop it on defense. Draymond Green, as crazy as he is, the man's a genius on defense. He is, he, he is one of the best communicators on defense we've ever seen play the game of basketball, on top of being one of the better playmakers at the at the center, quote-unquote, position. Yeah. Um, Man, I I hate to do this because the Kings are a great team, but I got to go Warriors in six. And I say that because I feel like the Warriors are going to win one of those first two games, and then the Kings are not going to win in, in Golden State. I just – I and to, I have to be proven otherwise. I mean, I, I'm an Eagles fan. I bet against Pat Mahomes Super Bowl, man. And <laughs> I, I should have known better. I'm like, hey, I, I, thought, I, I thought it was over. And it's like, you bet against Pat Mahomes. I'm not betting against – Wardell, Stephen Curry, man. So I'm gonna take the Warriors in six. If I'm the Kings, if I if I have any chance of winning this series, I have to contest every shot. I have to play defense, which they don't. They don't play defense. So it's like get a hand up. Hopefully, outscore the Warriors. Who I mean, this Kings team is equipped to outscore the Warriors. Yeah. But what happens when those shots don't fall? Mm-hmm. And Steph Curry is shimmy, and Clay Thompson is hitting his shots. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you got to fight for every rebound. The Warriors are one of the best rebound teams in the league. Maybe not this year, but historically, we saw we saw uh, Kevon Looney had what 25 rebounds against the Grizzlies. It was yeah. it, it was like come on man, and that rebound those rebounds lead to second chance points, second second chance threes from Steph Curry and Clay. And I just feel like the Warriors are are just they're a seasoned veteran. It might be a long series. They might have to win it in seven, but I feel like they're still gonna win it by winning just one road game. Uh so give me a go and say Warriors in six. Man, oh, you make a great argument. I part of me just wants to go with the Kings. Me too. That, me too. Me too, man. <laughs> that that new blood, and you're like, oh, I just want to have this mm-hmm. team do well. And they're so exciting to watch. But I feel like Golden State is perfectly made to beat them. One of the reasons is that I watched every game when the Kings played the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. And whenever we had Larry Nash Jr. in the game to guard Sabonis, Sabonis had all types of issues because Larry Nash Jr. is mobile enough mm-hmm. to move with him. The quickness advantage that Sabonis has against other bigs, he won't have in this series when they put Draymond on him. Or even against Looney, it'll be tough. Mm-hmm. So for him to go in there and do what he does as far as, you know, the little moves he does to get to his left hand and finish around the rim, it'd be hard for him to get to that spot because someone who's mobile enough to stop him getting to that spot will be there. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, now the playmaking isn't as prevalent because now the scoring isn't as prevalent. Right. That's what makes Sabonis such a good playmaker. Uh, one thing I noticed with watching them, when their backup comes in, I believe is Alex Lynn. When he comes in, they run those same sets, but it doesn't work as well because you're not worried about Lynn scoring. Right. With Sabonis, you worry about him scoring, so that opens up, you know, backdoor cuts and people coming off of screens while you're paying attention to him. All other stuff is happening. The next thing you know, he makes a great pass, and they get that open shot. Mm-hmm. So if you're able to stay home because, you know, Draymond can lock it down, you know Looney can lock it down, now those passing lanes aren't there, I can see where they can have struggles in that way. Uh, and also, the other thing that could be a hindrance to Golden State is their bench play. Right yes. now, oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> with the uh, Kings, Malik Monk is he plays the Jordan Poole role, Jordan better. Poole. Mm-hmm. yeah, he mm-hmm. plays that role better, he's way more efficient. You mm-hmm. trust him more to come through in those moments. Jordan Poole this year has not given us a reason to mm-hmm. trust him, right? It seems like once he got punched in the face, it just all went downhill <laughs> <laughs> from there. Like, yes, he, he hasn't been efficient this year at all. So, that's one of the reasons that. 
I think this is going to be a long series because of the bench production. Mm-hmm. So I'm going Golden State in seven. Okay. I think they do win it, but it's going to be a very, very good series. And I think the bench production is what's going to really keep the series close. Do you okay? Do you have them? How many road games you got them winning? Is it just that last game seven? Yeah, game seven. <laughs> game seven. I think game seven. You're gonna see like that special stuff come out, okay. right? Because you 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 need this game. Ain't no other game out there. Yeah. Game seven, Steph like game four of the finals last year. That Steph's gonna come out and be like, okay, we gotta win this game. You're gonna see me come out, but it's gonna be a very very good series. You know what's funny is like you you mentioned the the bench play. One of my notes, my my uh three main points was like shorten the rotation because you don't have time to play these other kids, man. You don't have yeah. time. You got to play about about seven or eight deep, and you and I think that's gonna hurt the Warriors down the road when they win this series because they're gonna be tired. This yeah. this this going six or seven games for sure. Yeah. And then you're gonna mess around and and run into the Grizzlies. I'm I'm assuming uh in that in that next round and. It, it could be ugly for for either one of these teams, honestly. But um, yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm gonna go with the Warriors as well, man. I just I, I respect them too much to bet against them, even against this upstart Kings team, who they'll they'll be better next year, uh, based on them losing right now. But they'll be better next year. Uh, but right now, not time yet. I don't think it's time yet. Yeah, like just the experience of Green, mm-hmm. the experience of Curry and Thompson, Thompson who looks like Clay Thompson again this mm-hmm. year. Uh, that's gonna be major for them. And Wiggins is supposed to come back, right? Have they announced he's coming back? Yeah. They, well. Th- I think he's back with the team, but I, even then, man, it's it's one thing. To, I mean, I know, I know he's in shape, but you're not in basketball shape yet, man. Yeah, it might it's a take different type of shape. Yeah, yeah. So it's it might, and that's the thing that could come with that lack of defense. We talked about the Warriors. A lot mm-hmm. of people sleep on defense, right? The years they've won championships, they've been a top five defensive team in the league. Mm-hmm. This year, they've been far from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's another reason why this series will go long because they won't be able to unless they can hit that switch like I think they can mm-hmm. and the, like I mentioned earlier with Demonis Sabonis not being able to have those same type of passes available to him because they're able to play one-on-one coverage with him mm-hmm. that's where things can be different if they can turn that defensive switch on but we've seen in the past teams have tried to hit that switch and found out that the electricity wasn't paid mm-hmm. so you gotta make sure <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta make sure that you know you still have everything good to go there so now let's get to our last first round series, four or five matchup in the West. We got Kevin Durant versus Kawhi in a playoff series. Uh, we've only had this playoff matchup, I believe, once before, and Kawhi got hurt. It's the infamous Zaza Pachulia under the ankle step. Yeah. So we finally get a seven game series, hopefully, knock on wood, mm-hmm. of them, these two guys playing against each other Phoenix versus the Clippers. So from the Clippers perspective, now, Mm -hmm. of course, a big thing is Paul George. Hopefully this extra week gets Paul George healthy. But looking from the Clippers perspective, what can they do to beat this Phoenix team who has not lost with Kevin Durant Mm -hmm. in the lineup? I don't know what's going on this year with with the Clippers, because in the past they've played good defense. They just don't play defense this year. it's, It's like if you watch the Clippers, it's like you can't even recognize what you're watching, like, I mean, Kawhi, I mean, Kawhi's older, and he's not, this, like, the exact same player, but he's shown spurts of him playing defense. Offensively, I mean, I think he's solid. But, like, defensively, he ain't just that dude, you know, like, as much as he was, like, with San Antonio, even with Toronto. But they got to play defense, man. And this is, I mean, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Yeah, you yeah. better figure something out. Because <laughs> yeah, sure. if both of them dudes healthy, it's going to be a problem on top of um, having CP3. And then a Kobe has been playing well, you know, playing playing good ball, too. Uh, and Aiden, Aiden's gonna 
do his thing. Uh, I've been an Aiden <laughs> hater, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, but with him sliding into like that that fourth or third third or fourth option, that helps him and it helps things out a lot. Uh, but the Clippers got to play defense, man. Like in Paul George's health, that, that's one of my key points. Was health is paramount for both teams. Yeah. Uh, Booker had his his run of injuries uh, early on. Uh, Kevin Durant slipping on whatever happened on the court. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> and then like on the other side, Paul George and even Kawhi. Like first of all, Kawhi having the ability to say, you know what, I ain't playing in the second half. Like, come on, man. <laughs> like you just not you not gonna play. Like you nothing nothing happened in the first half for you to not play. Yeah. He's just like, nah, I'm not playing. So <laughs> he he different, man. Kawhi's different. Um, but yeah, I, I think the 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 I think this is a I don't want to say even, but I think it is kind of even because I think Kawhi can go head up with Kevin Durant when he needs to. When Ke- when Kawhi yeah. Leonard needs to go get a bucket and put up 30, 40 points, he might not, he might not have no bag, but the bag, <laughs> the bag is quality, man. Like it's he gonna do a little a little tween, 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 step forward, step back, jumper, and it's gonna be yeah. uh, it's gonna be cash from the <laughs> mid-range. It's gonna happen. He got, he got a Louis Vuitton, just ain't nothing in it. Nothing in it. Nothing in it. He might have he might have a bottle of water in there. That's it. <laughs> that's all he getting in that bag. But the bag's gonna help you out. Yeah, it's um, the quality bag. Just ain't got nothing in it. That's fine. Nothing in it. Nothing in it. Uh, but yeah, I, I think what this come down to is coaching. And you got two good coaches on both sides. You got Ty Lue, yeah. you got Alvin Gentry. Who who is gonna win that coaching chess matchup? Because I feel like this is gonna be a series where at one point the Suns lead, at next next point the Clippers lead the series, and it comes down to game seven. So Game seven, I'm gonna roll with Phoenix because they they have they have much more artillery at least in the starting lineup. You got KD and Book. I think that's enough firepower on offense uh, to sustain the Clippers, who again don't play defense, and they still got Russell Westbrook, who I think is gonna be very emotional against Kevin Durant. That's something that we that we I think as a media yeah. are sleeping on is Westbrook versus Kevin Durant. Nobody talked about that, yeah. uh, but I think Kevin Durant. I think he's built differently uh, mentally, and Devin Booker. As a number two option, who is Kawhi going to guard, you know, uh, Kevin Durant? Or is he going to guard Devin Booker? Somebody got to pick up that assignment one way or another. So I'm going to take the Suns in seven games. Yeah, I definitely can see where you're coming from with that prediction. This is a tough one. This is another one where you're just like, I don't know. Uh, One of the things that makes me kind of weary of Phoenix is who do you trust outside of those big four? Man, right, <laughs> no bitch at all. <laughs> yeah, not campaign. Shout out to members, not not campaign. I don't know about that. Nah, one. campaign. It's weird with campaign because campaign a couple years ago looked like that dude coming off the bench. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I can see him being like a real just you know significant factor, and it's not been that <laughs> since. And with the Clippers, they have real depth, right? You think about Batum, mm-hmm. you think about Terrence Mann, Norman Powell. They have people, Eric Gordon, like they have people they can mm-hmm. depend on to get you buckets. And to also play decent defense. Like you mentioned how throughout the year they haven't played defense. Mm-hmm. But I've seen them locked down at certain times, right? Mm-hmm. And I think yep. Kawhi, come playoff time, you're going to see Kawhi play that defense that we know he can play. He may not be able to turn it up to 2016 Kawhi anymore. But mm-hmm. as far as being able to have spurts where you're like, okay, this is the Kawhi that we remember. I think he can do that. Uh, Paul George, if he does play, hopefully this extra week helps him get back. If he's able to move and do things he can do, he's still very good defensively as well. Eric Gordon's a good defender, very strong for his size. And I think he's somebody who can give, say, a Chris Paul trouble if he's out there guarding Chris Paul. He can give you about 25, 30 points if he needs to. He can shoot it. Yeah, for sure. And that's the thing. He spreads it out. And not only does he spread it out from three-point range, but beyond three-point range. Like, he's standing three, four feet beyond the line, which gives Kawhi, Russell Westbrook, and PG more room to work. And Zubak and Aiden, I think that's a good matchup to watch in this one. Yeah. 
Like if Aiton's the guy who's going to give you more offensively, but Zubat being just so big and always at the rim and always rolling, he's going to keep Aiton busy. And you wonder if Aiton's going to be able to handle that and be able to handle the physicality of that. Cause that's one thing that Aiton isn't known for is the physicality, right? He's not, he's not <laughs> known for being a guy who's going to go down there and bang with you in the paint. So this is a very, very good series. I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm going Phoenix in seven because that game seven at home, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, either one of them or both of them can go off and go crazy. And even with someone like a Paul George or Kawhi on you, those guys are unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And Chris Paul just orchestrating the show. You just need mm-hmm. Chris Paul to hit down, knock down some open threes, orchestrate mm-hmm. the show. You don't need him to do too much. He yeah. shouldn't strain a hamstring. Stand. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't even got to move, man. Just just maybe do a, a pick and roll and then pass it on. As soon as you get that slip, just pass. Yeah. Just pass to KD, pass to Brooke, whoever, or Aiden rolling with you. Just, yeah. just do that. Don't do no type of attacking. Just relax. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he just got to talk and orchestrate the offense. So I could see Phoenix in seven, but I wouldn't be shocked yeah. if the Clippers won this series. I just think the top-end talent of Phoenix is going to be a little too much in this one. So that is our preview of the first round. So now we got to make our predictions, man. NBA oh, finals. <laughs> Who do you have representing the Eastern and Western Conference in the NBA finals? Oh man. Um, uh, I feel like there are like six teams in the West that can go to the finals, <laughs> man. I mean, you can make a case for literally the, the 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 playoff teams, the one through six. You can make a case for any of those teams. Yeah. And you'll be like, Yeah, I see the Warriors getting in. Clippers, Suns, Grizz, Nuggets, uh, even the Kings, man. If the Kings mess around and just just Capture Lightning. I mean, they did. Yeah. They literally did this year. They're the best road team in the league. Like, yeah. that's that's crazy to me. Like the fact that they just win games on the road that speaks a lot about their their chemistry and their continuity. They they just yeah. they just have it. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna start East first. East, I think I think Milwaukee's gonna do it. I think Milwaukee's gonna go back to the finals. Um, Middleton is not himself anymore, but Drew Holiday is on another level right now. Like defensively, he's guarding your best player one through four, maybe even five, depending on how you're feeling. And he yeah. can go get 50 if he needs to. Uh, Giannis, I think he turns it on at some point. I mean, he's turned on already, obviously. But yeah. like in the playoffs, I mean, we see him have a 50-point triple-double because he just he need, he, it needed to happen. So he did. Yeah. Uh, Brick Lopez, I mean, DPOY candidate, uh, Bobby Portis, uh, Jay Crowder, uh, Grayson Allen's playing well. I think Milwaukee just has that, that Spurs-esque team, you know, Coach Bud from the Spurs uh, tree. It's just like you have veterans that know their role, the communication is paramount. There is no arguing, no punching. Everybody knows exactly what they need to do. And when it's time to lock in, they lock in. So I'm going to have Milwaukee out of the East. <sighs> After West, I'm not confident. <laughs> I'm not confident. So whoever's listening, do not hold me accountable for this pick. I just feel like this is what it's going to be. I feel like it's going to be the Denver Nuggets. It's going to be it's gonna be chalk. It's going to be one versus one. I think, I think Jokic has been chilling all season. And I think once the playoffs start, his usage is going to go all the way up. I mean, he already, already has high usage, but offensively, as far as like scoring, because he needs to score. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going a lot to more shot attempts. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think yeah. it's going to turn up. And I think that Denver is like a similar fashion where it's like you have a lot of veterans on that team that knows their role. They know what they got to do. Jamal Murray needs to score 20, 30 points. Uh, Porter Jr. knock down your shots. Uh, I think I think it's gonna be Denver and Milwaukee, and I think Milwaukee's gonna get their second ring with Giannis. Well, second Giannis second ring. So I'm gonna go Milwaukee, and I think it'll be like a, a six game series. Okay, I definitely can respect that for sure. Now I can't pick Denver because I already said if the Pelicans get there, <laughs> well, <laughs> if Zion can play. I'm taking that upset. 
<laughs> but as you know, as great as Zion is, if we get that upset, I couldn't see us beating Phoenix in the second round with KD, with Booker, or with Aiden. Uh, so I'll have to go Phoenix out of the Western Conference. But like you said, I'm not confident. It's, this is not a <laughs> just like a boom. I know this is gonna happen. Nope. Uh, but I'm a, <laughs> but I'm gonna go Phoenix. But I also wouldn't be shocked if the Grizzlies put it together and were able to come out the Western Conference. Like anybody can come out of Western Conference. I'm gonna go Phoenix, but I do agree with you on Milwaukee. Uh, Milwaukee was my pick to start the year, uh, so I'm gonna I'm stick with Milwaukee to win the NBA Finals. I think they beat the Phoenix Suns. I'm gonna say in six. Um, Milwaukee over the Suns in six again, uh, but this time just a little bit differently. But you still just Giannis when he has to turn it on, like you said, he can go out there struggle from the free throw line all series. Mm-hmm. We need these free throws in Game Six. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna hit 17 out of 19 for you. Like that's the type of player that he is. So I'm gonna go Milwaukee as well to beat the Phoenix Suns. Man, this is a lot of fun, man. Thank you for coming on to the show. I truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, please let the people know, man, where they can find you and where they can find all your work on social media for sure man uh shout out to you man because you've been doing it for a while man uh we look we look up to you and your work man you've been doing this man you're killing this so i know you're oh, out there doing you, not 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 even just you know the real deal but you also got your, your uh your new uh thing with rush yeah uh third and three podcast so you out here killing it man so just just keep doing you man i'm a big fan i'm a listener and we'll, we'll keep at it man we definitely gotta do this again man it's good basketball talk oh uh, for but, sure man but yeah, you can find me. Uh, my personal Twitter is msavage901, like the area code for Memphis. Um, and our podcast is um, Three the Hardaway Pod, P-O-D. And that's on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, YouTube. Um, yeah, I think it's everywhere. I cover all my bases. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it's always it's always good basketball talk with us, man. We we try our best to, to keep it light, keep it entertaining. Nothing too serious. Of course, you want to do some analysis. But at the end of the day, we all having fun. We're having a good time. Um, and just just loving the game of basketball and loving these other sports, man. Yeah, man. I'm a big fan of you guys as well. You already know. I've I've actually been able to meet Tev now in person, and we've gone sure. and, and and play ball. I don't know if you, you all play ball with Tev. Man, you, okay, so <laughs> ha, have you ever seen that video on LBR where me and him played intramural? Um, no, I haven't. So I'll do quick story. So me and two <laughs> – so I – we had an intramural game in college. This was probably our sophomore year. Sophomore, yeah, sophomore year in college. And um, I was killing. I had about 20 some points. I was not missing. I was tagging the basket, shooting threes. And we got, I think it was tied because we had double overtime. I forget which overtime. I think it was the fourth quarter. And we needed an out of bounds play, had a sideline out of bounds play. Um, and we called timeout to set the play. My other homie, Skylar, who's on LBR, he was our coach. And he was like, hey, whatever y'all do, get set for the ball. So, I'm on the uh, opposite uh, corner. I'm finna get a screen, come around top, press the top, catch and shoot three. Hopefully we win the game. If not, we're going to overtime. And so ball gets in to Took at the top of the key. Took uh, said, and I quote, you know, after the fact, he said, I thought I was, he thought I was Russ. That was what he thought he said about himself. This is Russ back in the day, like Thunder Russ, early Thunder <laughs> Russ. And I, I was so mad. That was my last game playing intramural basketball. I stopped playing after that. I did not play <laughs> intramural basketball no more. Uh, but two, man, that's, that's my guy though. We we have we have good on court chemistry, you know, yeah. whether that's on the court or you know, two K. Uh, that's, that's my that's my dynamic duo partner. He's he's my pick and roll, pick and pop partner. So aside from that game, yes, <laughs> we 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 play ball together. Uh, but that was an ugly time period, very ugly time period. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely can see why you was upset for sure on that one. <laughs> but yeah, now nah, Tev Tev's a pass first point guard, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like playing with two. 
And we definitely, like I said, we got to get you out here to come visit and play some All ball right. for sure. And I have to look at what you guys on 2K, man, for sure, uh, so we can get some games on there. But thank you again for coming on. Uh, if this is your first time listening, make sure you go ahead and share it with your friends and your family, The Real Deal with Damian Adams. And make sure you search the full thing, like a pimp named Slickback. You want to look like uh, Dylan Brooks was at the game the other day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> like my man my man is classic bro but uh me you can find me on social media at the real deal wda i'm mostly active on twitter but you also can find me on tiktok instagram not as active on instagram but you can follow me on there as well and until next time go real or go home <laughs>